Welcome to the Activist Insight podcast with me, Kieran Paul. Today, I'll be joined by Insightia Editor-in-Chief, Josh Black, to go through our eagerly anticipated Activist Investing Annual Review 2021. The Annual Review is the definitive review of shareholder activism from the past year and provides analysis of key trends and patterns that have emerged. The report features thought pieces from industry experts and our editorial team. You can get your hands on the review for free by visiting our website. Also, look out for a bonus episode coming soon, which will hone in on our list of the top 10 activists of last year. For that, I will be joined by our team of journalists to go through each one. But back to this episode. So welcome, Josh, for the first time this year. Yeah, hard to believe it's taken a month for you to invite me onto your show. But hopefully that reflects how busy we've been. You know, we've had a long list of publications in the past month and a bit. We had our proxy voting annual review in mid-December. We had the Activist Insight Monthly Advisor Awards. We had our statistical report, Shareholder Activism in 2020. And we had the first proxy monthly of 2021, all while working on our eighth activist investing annual review but you've been busy on the podcast as well i think yes very much so we've got some fantastic beyond the boardroom series recorded we've got some brilliant beyond the boardroom episodes to be recorded we've been setting those up with guests and perhaps this year we'll see us branch into more debate like podcasts and maybe some panel stuff we'll see so you think you're going to beat last year's records 23 episodes published 493 minutes of content and just under 13,000 downloads. 493 minutes of content, was it? Right, well, why don't we just keep talking and get to 494 on this particular episode, and then we can just, you know, that be it for the year. (laughs) We should really keep it going for as long as possible. I'm sure everyone wants to hear about the annual review. That they certainly do. So the first question, what were the biggest lessons for activist investors in 2020? Perhaps one of the more surprising ones is that activism can win in a pandemic, which is obviously something that we weren't thinking about at the beginning of 2020, but very quickly took over our kind of mindset. There was an expectation, and in fact, many activists did withdraw their campaigns because they felt that the circumstances, the health emergency, the need for companies to prioritize their operations and their employees would not lend itself to activist investing. As it turned out, uh, some activists persisted with campaigns and did remarkably well. So we had a pretty busy proxy season despite some of the late withdrawals. And we had a number of situations where activists won control slates. And those were situations where the activists had arguably more valid criticisms and a more comprehensive plan for taking the company forward. So it was very interesting to see that in times of crisis, you know, activists can actually play a role and can win the support they need to take those things forward. Obviously, the market crashed in March, creating a lot of buying opportunities, but also a lot of panic. When that panic subsided with the introduction of central bank liquidity, activists were able to win big by investing large sums in companies that were associated with the recovery. So 2020 was a year in which some activists did very well at the ballot box, won a large number of board seats and big changes that they'd asked for, and also did very well on the return side as well. 
which are the two key ingredients to this asset class. I think the second big lesson from 2020 is that shareholder engagement is now extensive and unavoidable. It used to be that activists were the ones engaging with companies who would dominate a company's year, you know, especially if they were engaging around proxy season, around solicitations. But now the asset manager community has really picked up the baton of shareholder engagement, is thinking in a very advanced way about climate, about diversity, about board composition, about board skills, and is really on top of companies year round. That is an advantage to companies in the sense that the companies are hearing the criticisms that their shareholders previously shared about them behind closed doors and perhaps with activists. It's a benefit to the activists because there is much more readiness to change and adapt. But it does create problems in the sense that many of the issues the asset management community as a whole is interested in are very long term in nature and don't necessarily fit with the activist investors kind of two to three year turnaround timeline. Not only that, but you know, if you have fewer underperformers, you have less targets as an activist. So that's interesting, you know, both from a company perspective and an activist perspective. And the third lesson from 2020, I think, is that activism as an asset class is really starting to show its cracks. Uh, we had a pretty wide divergence in terms of performance for activists in 2020. We had some that did incredibly well. Uh, we had some that really struggled. Activists have become much more focused on different sectors, different specialisms in years past. That's now accelerating with things like ESG activism and the kind of convergence of activism and private equity, which means that you have activists with very different capabilities within this asset class. So which of those three would you pinpoint as the most important right now? As we're still in the pandemic, it's probably the first one that activists can win, but they really have to have a watertight case and they really have to pick a company that is visibly struggling. And what were the key observations and findings? So if we look at it regionally, first of all, the US had a very weak first half of the year and then recovered some of that ground in the second half of the year. Europe had a particularly slow year, but speaking to activists and looking at the kinds of campaigns that did take place, we actually found there's a lot of bullishness about the opportunities for activism there. We found that activists were intent on breaking new ground. This is mainly domestic activists. And we think that they are going to take a very active stance in 2021. In Asia, Activity held fairly steady, particularly in Japan, but we did notice that targets were more in the small cap arena than in previous years. There's a lot of hesitation about the changeover of government in Japan, whether the same kind of shareholder pro-governance reforms are going to continue at the same pace, and that could be a, a headwind on activism in 2021. So, you know, other effects of the pandemic were that M&A took a real hit in 2020. There was a sudden kind of seizing up of the markets. M&A didn't really start to come back until the fourth quarter. There is a lot of expectation that consolidation M&A will play a big part in 2021, but clearly it hindered activists, you know, both from being able to put forward demands when it was unrealistic that they would be acted upon, and also because it made those M&A demands that did go ahead uh, look less credible. 
And there had already been a movement to say, well, if you have a demand that's based on a company selling itself or partaking in M&A, then you also have to have a governance criticism to say why the incumbent board is not able to do that on its own. We also saw a flight to large caps among activists. You know, and partly this was the larger cap activists being more active, turning over their portfolios in order to address some underperformance. But also larger cap companies offer many ways to win in a different market environment. So although you probably can't ask for a company like Intel or Disney to sell itself, you can ask them to change things about their balance sheet, their operations, their capital structure. They have many different business divisions. They can prioritize one over the other. They can spin one off in order to improve their focus. That gives activists, you know, a lot more to work with. Whereas with the mid-cap and smaller-cap companies, there is a lot more dependence on M&A. And of course, there's usually surprising trends picked up by the review. So what did this year's find? The most surprising trend in 2020 was really in the proxy fight arena. So though we had fewer proxy fights, you know, we actually found that support from some of the largest institutional investors, and particularly the index funds, was higher in 2020 than in the previous year. That probably reflects the seriousness of the fights that did go all the way to a vote versus others that settled a lot earlier um, because there was probably an expectation that the calculus of likelihood of victory had changed. We also found you know, this increased support plus a number of control slates where activists asked for a majority of the board led to a pretty high turnover. So in the US, more board seats were won at a contested vote than in any of the preceding six years. That would have been surprising in March 2020. The other thing is on the activist short side, it was interesting that we didn't see a huge amount of activity picking up after the pandemic. Initially, you would have thought the falling stock prices were a great opportunity for activist short sellers. Um, In reality, the speed at which things turned and the demand for borrowing to short stocks, you know, probably made it more costly for activist short sellers given they're only looking for a few targets and want to make big returns on those investments. The other thing is that as the market started to rise, activists felt that they had to be incredibly disciplined in their short selling. Uh, there was a worry that you know they could short something, release a report, the stock would go down 6% on day one, and then would instantly start picking up again. There was a lot of anxiety on the short side. And one interesting trend that's worth noting, as we do in the report, is that activist short sellers have started looking at ESG now and saying, hey, these companies are attracting a lot of ESG dollars. Let's take a look under the hood and see if they're really as virtuous as they claim to be, with the goal of scaring away the ESG capital from those stocks. And thinking about 2021 now, how has activism started to play out already? The big theme so far, I think, is that companies that survived the pandemic, you know, maybe their business operations are not too badly affected, but they're still lagging peers. Those are incredibly vulnerable. And there's been a lot of focus on companies that, you know, maybe continuing to make the case for margin targets that are low by activist standards or are blaming the pandemic for their underperformance when a very close peer, you know, has done a lot better. So we're starting to see that kind of winner takes all 
mentality in the stock market and activists are catching on to that and saying, well, hey, if you're not bold now and try and catch up with the leader in your pack, then you are going to be left behind in a much more serious way and you're going to leave a lot of value on the table. Now joining me is Yuri Struter to discuss the Review's Vulnerability article. Yuri looks after Activist Insight Vulnerability, which clients can access on our website. Free trials are also available. So Yuri, how was 2020 for Activist Insight Vulnerability? So for Activist Insight Vulnerability, this was a very productive year. Uh, We have changed the way we present our reports in order to provide more targeted and comprehensive information about the companies we believe are vulnerable. On top of that, we are also rolling out a revamped version of our scores. So our goal is not to predict activism, but rather to identify vulnerabilities uh, in companies. And this could range from governance, shareholder roster, operational performance, total shareholder return performance, you know, whether an industry has historically been attractive for activists and other stuff. That said, it happens often that companies we identify as vulnerable get targeted. For instance, last year, uh, Intel Corporation was targeted around the year after we said the chip maker was vulnerable. Uh, another was Elanco Animal Health, uh, which faced demands from Sachem Head just uh, four months after we said the company could be an activist target. Uh, other companies that were predicted would be subjected to activist demand include Merit Medical F5 Networks on Semiconductor, Big Lots and Harley Davidson. But this is not a complete list. And what do you see for this year? We see the continuation of the current trend in activism. You know, most of the traditional activists would avoid industries that display historically low returns, and they are more inclined to target underperforming companies in industries that have structural tailwinds and show high returns. So we think the technology sector and the healthcare sector will continue to be attractive for activists, the same as it was in 2020. But as I said, only the underperformance from these industries are at high risk of being targeted. At the same time, I think as this bull market will be 12 years old in 2021, we see increasingly activists moving in the utilities sector. In 2020, the number of companies targeted in this sector was the highest on record. The utilities are also attractive for some activists for their ESG, mostly environmental dimension. You know, when when an activist could push for moves out of fossil fuels towards uh, renewable energy. Elsewhere, I think in, in energy, if oil prices don't recover substantially or at least stabilize at current levels, I think we're unlikely to see many activist campaigns in this sector, largely because most activists burned themselves in the past. We still have sector specialists getting involved, but to have a recovery in activism, you probably need this to be attractive for generalists. 
In the industrial sector, I think we're going to see fewer and fewer companies getting targeted, uh, largely due to the poor track record in implementing changes, as most of the time this could be you know, very time-consuming. If we look at Rolls-Royce, General Electric, and ThyssenKrupp, these are all campaigns that have so far failed to bring adequate returns to their respective activists, like Value Act, Tryon, and Sivian. And finally, do you have any specific companies that you think are vulnerable? Yeah, so as we said in our annual review, we think Silicon Laboratories has underperformed its peers and could improve its margins. Another is Nuvasive, uh, which we believe operates in an industry with major tailwinds, but has underperformed. We also said that Baker Hughes, Alta Beauty, and HealthStream are also vulnerable in 2021. That's it for today's episode. Make sure you download your copy of our annual review for free by visiting the report section of our website. If you want something discussed on a future episode, please email press at insightia.com and join the conversation by using the hashtag ActivistInsightPodcast on Twitter. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Kieran Paul. Thank you for listening.